Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wait. <laughs> All three of us are we here. We seeing Bigfoot? <laughs> All three of us are here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo. Oh, Boom my it. God. Boom. We are here, the three of us. Patrick was really excited. He started... He started getting into it before the song even kicked in. Yeah, it's good to see you. You can guys. see the energy. It's good yeah. to see you guys. Yeah, we have it's not good to have Keen back in the studio. We have with not us. done a show together since what before New Year's? It's been a long time. I mean, we did, did Parlor Live. I think we had one in the New Year. I think, did we? I think we had one. I think we had one. Uh, and look at he's standing. Did he's you very lose excited. weight, by the way? Did I what? Have you been losing weight? Uh, maybe a little stress. <laughs> you look good. <laughs> Do I? Oh, yeah. thanks, man. Well, I yeah. just saw you two nights ago. Yeah, I think didn't say anything yeah. then. Well, you know what's funny is these comedy clubs. Like, you go out on a weekend and you, you stuff yourself full of food, local yeah. food and club food, and then you probably drink one or two nights, and you're so bloated by the last night, and the, the whole Sunday after the show is like you just your body's dealing with not just alcohol but just the travel, the food. And when he said, yeah. "Are you losing weight?" You should have said, "No, I'm working with you, losing money." Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> bring it back. Hello. Good to see you, buddy. I'm you losing weight as well. You That's are not true. Yeah, I am. No, I brought a Patrick. Patrick looks like he's actually losing weight. I'm losing weight as well. Down 15. Are you oh, really? Damn right That's I am. Great. What no. are you up? Down to 279. I'm so close to being on my 600 pound 279? bike. 279? That's not true. You know that. <laughs> I want to meet Dr. <laughs> what now. are you? What, what, Two, what? I was 230, 215 now. Stairmaster? I mean, yeah. you, you Weight know. Watchers. Weight Watchers. Okay. Yeah. I'm proud a, of our I'm, little Gary. I'm a firm believer in it. And I got to tell you, when you have friends like Steve that motivate you, you need to lose weight, you fat fuck. I mean, that really... <laughs> it's survival. That, That's I junior never, high. I never yeah. said... Oh, you're so great. I never yes, said you that. Have. That's no, junior yes, high. I did have. the first junior half of that, yes. Yeah. No, when you the come over fuck. my house and you watch it, I didn't. I never called you a fat fuck. Well, you... you rephrased it. So that's great. Weight Watchers, can you think they'd Weight want to Watchers. advertise with us? Maybe. I don't know. We, it'd be nice to have an advertiser. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would be great. Are, do, I'm tired are, of Is the, our guest online? Or? I don't know. Do we have him on the, the, the line there, back there, Ray? Hello? Fuck it. Oh, there he is. Hey! Let, let's give hey. you a proper, yeah, yeah, give a proper intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't, Before I didn't know. you jump in, I, we had no idea that you were, you were even on the line there, but uh, we were just talking about weight loss and uh, how Steve, my partner, berates me. But uh, I got to tell you, so I was... Uh. I was turned on to this movie by a friend. He said, "You got to see this movie. It's called Hired Gun." It's a my net- wife and I were watching it one night. We, we were just <laughs> scrolling through Netflix. I go, oh, "That looks awesome." And same thing, yeah. So basically, the idea of the movie is about, and I think this certainly fits into what we do because a lot of times we're kind of background. I do the audience warm up for Conan. You always want to be the main guy. Well, there but are you're not the some main of guy. us that are. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Right. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, this movie is essentially about. All of the guys that play in the background for major musical artists like Billy Joel and Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. Session. And, yeah, session, session artists. And basically how they, probably 20 guys, are responsible for creating most of the singles and most of the hits that you hear. And this and documentary. Young lady, and young lady. And young lady, correct. Yeah. Yes. She was shredding. Pink. Uh, but I saw this movie called Hired Gun. Great documentary on Netflix, wanted to reach out to the director, wanted to find out more about this movie. The director is joining us in the dojo today. We are so excited to have him. How about a big round of applause for the director of Hired Gun, Mr. Fran Strine, everybody. Yeah. How about a round of applause? There he is. Woo! There yeah. he is. Thank What's you so much. So, uh, Fran, you live up in the Bay Area, correct, from what I understood? I do, man. I live in a beautiful town called uh, San Rafael, where there happens to be a ton of musicians I have no yeah. idea lived here, man. Huey Lewis. Uh, you know, my my first week living here, I went to Petco to get the dogs some food, and there's James Hetfield 
with like two of his <laughs> wow. dogs, you know, from Metallica. I'm like, what are you doing here? It'd be you so know, funny to like, see James uh, right around the corner picking up kitty litter. <laughs> it's like you have a cat. yeah, man. <laughs> so, so it's a trip, man. Every once in a while, you'll see like Neil Sean from Journey and one of his Lamborghinis drive up and down Fourth Street. And wow, Sammy Hagar at a restaurant, you know. He's like, so say yeah, a big prayers, little one. So it's pretty neat. <laughs> Do you have fancy feast? <laughs> but yeah, I, right. I gotta tell, yeah, Sam Rafael. By the way, we go to San Francisco quite a bit. We work the punchline in San Francisco. But I gotta tell you, Sam Rafael is a whole nother world. It's up there on the hill. It's, it's like as over you're the going Golden on the Gate Five Bridge. Yeah. So many people. Dana Carvey, yeah. Robin Williams live there. So I mean, things must be good for you, Fran. You're living up in the Bay Area across the bridge. Things must be good. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I can't complain. How did you develop the the inspiration to go out and do this do this great amazing doc about these unsung heroes that are you know in the background essentially uh to get the fuck off the road i was touring <laughs> for 20 years or so with different artists my background is i started off as a photographer okay uh maybe 20 years ago and, and, and you know growing up as a metalhead man I always worshipped and, and couldn't wait for the monthly issue of like metal edge or Hit Parader, one of these metal magazines to come out so I could run off and read it. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I just used to sneak my, my camera into concerts and uh, quickly developed a, a, what I thought was a decent eye for photography and, and got a gig with Metal Edge. <clears throat> From there, I went on my first music tour because that's what I really wanted to do was go out and be somebody's tour photographer. And that happened in 1999. And uh, I brought a video camera with me. I'm like, wow, moving pictures. I can actually tell a story now instead of just a single image. <clears throat> and uh, that's where it came, that's where my, my, my love of filmmaking came. But I was on tour with Five Finger Death Punch when I got the idea for, for Hired Gun. Right. I was sitting in, yeah, I was sitting in Singapore. And, and, if, and anybody who knows that band knows that their singer is a maniac and <laughs> has got some issues. But I think, yeah, I think he's overcoming them, thank goodness. I want nothing but the best for the guy. But he was a mess. <clears throat> when I was out with them and I'm sitting in the, in the bus in Singapore and I'm turning 50. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing out here with five finger death punch? And like, I'm over the road. <clears throat> and I'd recently seen 20 feet from stardom, which is about the backup singers. That right. was a huge inspiration for this idea. So, uh, so as we landed back in the States five weeks later, man, I hit the ground running and didn't stop till we were finished. You know, wow, that's, great. So that's how the idea came about. Yeah, and how how your film is obviously extremely decorated. I mean, you've got a multitude of uh, festivals mm -hmm. you guys got accepted in. Were you surprised at the success and the the acquisition of Netflix in terms of you know a year or two ago you're on a bus touring with a a, a band that has somewhat of a uh, like a cult following, and then all of a sudden you're a film right. director and you've gotten accepted at all these great festivals. <clears throat> You know, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but that's what I set out to do immediately. Right. Uh, I knew I had to make a, a, a high production caliber type film that was compelling and told some great stories. So I knew I needed to do that going in. And as we started gathering more of these stories, <clears throat> I could picture the, the edits later on and like, you know, I think we got right. something special here. But, uh, you know, we did our, our screening at South by Southwest was where uh, we did our world premiere. And just judging by the crowd, I knew that we had something something pretty good. And then we took the film around the world, you know. And, and the great thing about it for me, being a filmmaker, was 
no matter where we showed the, the film in the world, it got the same reaction from the crowd in all the same spots that you'd want it to. Right. So I knew we had something. We started screening it for distributors in New York and L.A., and, and Netflix picked it up right away when they saw it, and we were so excited, you know. Yeah, I, there's yeah, so I feel many... extremely lucky and don't take any of this for granted because we, we did work really hard to make this make this film. So many great stories. One of the fun ones, I think, was I forget the gentleman's name, the drummer uh, that was telling the story about John Cooper <laughs> Mellencamp. <laughs> and oh. it was just, you know, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, you're 25 Kenny seconds, off, man. Yeah, that was you're less in the yeah. balance. That and was then, Kenny, yeah. Yeah, and then about you, how he said to, uh, he's like, I'll stay here. You don't have to pay me, but I'm staying here to learn, even though you're sending me home. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. That, that kind but of, he had that 25. Let doo-doo, me tell you something. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's three people. Yeah, there's three people in the music industry I admire for their work ethic. I've never seen anybody work so hard in my life. It's Kenny Aronoff, Mike Newshock, the guitar player for Stained, and Jason Newston for Metallica. Right. I've worked for. For, for two of the guys, I've, I've known Kenny only because of the movie, but I worked for uh, for Newstead doing a documentary with him and with Stained. I toured with those guys for seven or eight years, and the work ethic these guys have is, is incredible. But Kenny, that guy's almost 66 years old, man. He's wow. still a beast. He plays every single day. Will track. He doesn't care, man. He just wants to work. I was going to say, he looks so... Death sentence, you know? Yeah. He looks so good physically. A lot of these guys, you know, they're living their dreams, and sure. you can see it. You can see it in their faces. They're still young oh, boys. Yeah. They're still yeah. young men. And uh, but yeah, he was talking about how he had twenty seconds to figure out oh, his yeah, career if he was yeah. going to oh. stay with the with the band. And it yeah, was just it was, like, and he's yeah. like, how do I how do I develop a drum solo for a ballad? He's like, nobody had done that before except Phil Collins, and then he did it. And you're like. You, you you associate that song so much with that drum with solo, that drum solo, oh, yeah. That yeah. How do you not know? Oh, of course, you're just always assuming it was there. It was great, but then there's well, the, the, the yeah the difficult stories too about oh god I forget the the gentleman's name that that played with Billy Joel. Uh, uh, that was uh, Liberty Liberty Devito. Yeah, exactly Liberty. Yeah. What a heartbreaking story that yeah. is, and just all the you know again there you know that's something you just don't think about. You you go you see Billy Joel. The band's having a great time. They're right. having a blast. As a as a spectator, you're thinking, "Oh, these guys are killing it." They must be partying backstage, and you forget. Yeah, there's there's tension. There's not the contractual obligations, and you know, when you're li- listening to Liberty's stance, I mean, I understand you kind of got the perspective of the headliner, I guess. Through was it was it lit? Is that the the guy that that he was the backup guy for Trent Reznor, and then he started his own band or Filter. For filter, oh filter, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. got his perspective. And- you know what's funny about that story is is Richard Patrick, who's the guy that we're talking about from Filter, yeah. uh, sent me an email. He's like, "Man, you really made me look like an asshole in this movie." And I replied back to him, "I'm like, what are you talking about, man? You're one of the guys that's at least honest and upfront that you're not going to pay these guys shit, yeah, and that they're going to stay on the bus and not live, you know, in a hotel room. I mean, you're telling them up front." what you're not going to give them. So I think that's pretty admirable because, you know, there's not many people out there that do that. Fran, that was a great way to spin uh, it. You know, guys guys like Liberty, man, after 30 years of service, just get their legs cut out from under them and uh, are left with nothing. It was tragic. I was 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 happy to see him come to peace with himself. And just, that was that letter he wrote. Yeah. It just, I don't know. But I was wondering, like, obviously you want to hear Billy Joel's perspective because you're like, yeah, why would you cut these guys out? But, I guess you kind of got it, you know, when I look back at the doc through through the gentleman you just mentioned from Filter. Is that is that correct? I mean, or, or... Kinda, yeah, kind of. You know, I, you know, to be fair, I did reach out to Billy Joel, yeah, to uh, see if he wanted to be interviewed, and he was interested. He's like, "Hey, will you send me the transcripts? 
<clears throat> whatever scenes you have cut. So I sent him what is in the movie now. You know, he's one of the last people we're trying to get, uh, you know, just to get, just to be neutral. Yeah. So I sent him the, the clips, and about three days later, I get a cease and desist letter from his attorneys, which happened to be the wow. Beatles attorneys. You know what I mean? So they got, oh, wow. and, uh, they got some money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's just it's a story. You know, we're telling it. But, uh, you know, the angle I went with it, of, of, you know, to give him a voice was, look, man, the guy got ripped off almost $100 million from his brother-in-law. I think anybody would be kind of sketched out. Yeah, if you're coming and asking for more money. It's not like Liberty wasn't making great money, but he just went to an ugly divorce and uh, lost everything himself. So he's just looking for a little bump and a raise, I think, and yeah, piss Billy off. It was also weird because in the movie he explains his relationship with Billy Joel and how essentially the three Billy, of them, the four of them, came up together. Yeah, and then yeah. essentially Billy cut everybody except mm-hmm. Liberty, and it was just them two back in the studio doing more music. And then at some point, Liberty said to him, hey, if there's any form of work that you can help me with, I would love it. And he said that was the turning point. Like, Billy never even talked to him after the tour, never – like, they, they yeah. would do the gig. No wedding, and that would no be wedding invite? Was it the third no wedding, wedding invite, Chrissy, yeah. nothing. Nothing, and just – it completely turned. Yeah, you got you to remember, they, they've known each other since they were like 14 years old, oh, you know, brutal. for year, decades. And uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know what it's like to be Billy Joel, you know what I mean, having people pining after you and, and asking you for money constantly or sure. whatnot. But, uh, you know, I feel for everybody, even for Billy Joel. I mean, it's got to be tough being him. But uh, I think he could have, you know, personally, I think he could have handled the band split up a, a lot better because it left a lot of the guys like Russell Jabbers, the, the white haired guitar player yeah. still doesn't know why he was cut all these years later. He's scratching his head. Like, well, what, what, what did I do? You know, Fran, did you ever so see... it's just sad, man. That's, that's how these, that's how these stories go. Did, did you ever see the, the documentary wrecking crew? I think that was on Netflix as well. It was about, a, it was a gen, it was called wrecking crew. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. Yeah. Was that, that was probably a generation. Real, really enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I did see it. Yeah, I actually met the director a few times up here. They uh, screened it here in San Rafael a few times. Super nice guy. And what a tribute to his father. You know, that's why he made the movie. Did you ever see Airplane 4? Did you? <laughs> I mean, Airplane. The reason I'm bringing it up is because just the did range. Did you get popcorn when you watched it? <laughs> I mean, right. The range. Do the old dick in the popcorn <laughs> trick. Okay. <laughs> Let's let's like Keen land the plane here. What are you asking here? The range cut off my three. <laughs> we're kidding. We're kidding. Because the range some of these guys have, like you're talking about. I mean, I'm looking at Jason. Is it Jason Hook who who's he's working with Manny Moore, and then he jumps to Alice Cooper. And uh, like as comedians, I got started. Right. You know, I love Jerry Seinfeld or, or or Gary Shandling. But in the end, I'm probably gonna end up writing for my niece's YouTube page about cats. You know, that's <laughs> so right, right. <laughs> so it's just I don't know. That's uh, did you find that interesting, or is that something you knew all along that that's what musicians do? They just jump from a Mandy Moore to an Alice Cooper or. Or quite right. Yeah, I mean, you take the gig when you. Yeah, so it's just like guitar techs and you know the the guys that are like uh, the guy that used to be Jason Hook's guitar tech went on to tech for Lady Gaga. You know, you just kind of, of leapfrog to a better gig, better gig, better gig, and uh, that's what these guys hopefully do. You know, like look at Phil Lex, the guy that's he's in Bon Jovi now. You oh, know, wow. he started off as just a studio guitarist for all the American Idol people. You know, uh, Kelly Clarkston and. And uh, Daughtry and whatnot. Then he gets a, a, a call from Bon Jovi himself to come to come jam while he was shopping at uh, 
what did he tell me he was at? He was at uh, Trader Joe's buying <laughs> produce, and he sees a New Jersey number calling, and it's actually Bon Jovi. Like, hey, man. Wow. Do you think do you think if I got you on a private flight today at 7 p.m., you could land in Toronto and play this gig with us tonight? Because Richie didn't show up, you know. So that's some of these things you got to be, you know. So literally, Phil X brought his guitar, jumped on the plane, and learned their set on the way to uh, Toronto and made it in time for the gig. Fifty thousand people are look, looking at him like, "Who are you? <laughs> you know, you're not you're not Richie Sambor." So uh, those are the things he's got to be prepared for. Where you got to got to give him a pat on the back for that one. Fred, what do you think? Why, why do you think the disparity in pay exists? That was something that was shocking to me. But then again, as a comic, as we're all comics, I, I'm like, I, sh- I, I shouldn't be shocked by this because comics get ripped off all the time. I think people coming to comedy mm-hmm. clubs would be shocked in terms of knowing what an MC or feature is paid. Um, but but really? why do you feel mm-hmm. that the disparity exists between, again, like I, I guess like 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 filter when you watch that and then you hear what these guys touring are making and the conditions they're going under, but but they have the allure and the vision of like, oh, you're touring with a band, you're going through Europe, and it's rock and roll, baby. But then these guys have families too. Why, why do you think there isn't that, I guess, trickle-down economics existing in the music industry? You know, it's, it's weird because the pay scales vary for each artist. Like, I know that Pink and Cher and Rihanna and Lady Gaga, they pay their band a lot more than, you know, some of these rock acts do. Um, look, make no mistake. Some some of these guys make a really good salary, but when they're done touring, there there is no retainer. You know, right. you're you're a free agent. Uh, you got to go find another gig. And uh, I don't I don't know if I can answer that, man. Honestly, because uh, look, everybody's greedy, right? Like yeah. you want to make all the money. And I think management probably has a good good handle on this. So the artist sometimes doesn't even know what you're getting paid. To be honest with you. What, uh, what from some, what I've heard. Yeah, I was going to ask, what, what is, yeah. I mean, when you say great living, what what is that? If, if somebody's out on a tour for a couple of months, what can they pull in? Oh, I've heard numbers as high as like 15 grand a week. Wow. Yeah. That's great. But you got to remember that's for, for a giant artist that doesn't tour that much. That's only, you know, that's 30, nice. 40 shows a year yeah. and then they're done. But so you better save yeah. that money. I see you stuff know, on Amazon right now looking money, for a tambourine. But, Okay. Depending on your lifestyle, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm shocked to find out you, you comedians are like that, too. So I, remember, I remember back, my son's 27 now, when he was 14, I took him to go see Andrew Dice Clay at Caroline's oh, in wow. New York City. Wow, <laughs> yeah. And the tickets were 100, 100, yeah, 175 bucks a piece. I'm like, Jesus. well, he's making some money, man, because that club holds a few hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's all about, again, it's almost like the music industry. The headliner is making all the money, and then mm-hmm. the, the support acts... No, I wasn't mentioning you. I'm just like, you're, you're not the example. But, you know, it, it is interesting because I will tell you, when we've been doing stand-up for 20 years, the money opening and middling and all that other stuff has not changed in 20 years. It's, Since it's still, the 80s. Yeah, it's still yeah. that wow. same. Because, again, it's almost maybe like these session artists, they know that they can find people. But although, you know, Alice Cooper was even saying there's a huge difference between good and great. And then even Rob Zombie was saying, like, there's three things that you need to – to do to be great on the road is it be a great musician uh be a g- good performer and then just be a good hang be a good hang yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean because that's huge right. too yeah the downtime you that's it man i gotta on. tell you every one of alice cooper's bandmates I, I interviewed all of them uh i think they would play for alice cooper for free they love him they, you know they, they love him so much yeah and uh he was the only person i look i've never been starstruck in my entire life maybe once uh, when i did a gig with kiss years ago 
but uh alice cooper has always been my number one like music dude wow and i remember getting like yeah the album love it to death with you know 18 when i was like seven years old on vinyl and when we got the opportunity to interview him you know he was coming up to the room and i remember shaking like is it going to come up here with a dead baby and a sword (laughs) you know what i mean that's what i was hoping for and i was so let down because he was so nice you know, I mean, sometimes you want your hero to be what they personify on stage, and he was the exact opposite. He was just so welcoming and cool, and answered all my questions, and was so grateful, and gave me extra time. Oh wow! You know, they're great. like, you're only going to get 20 minutes with him. I got like an hour, and he introduced me to Nita Strauss, who's also in the film, who, by the way, is the first female uh, guitarist ever on in Ibanez's history to have a signature model guitar you know, for her due to her gig and Alice Cooper and, you know, getting out in front of a bunch of people and showing her skills. She's amazing. Wow. You know, so uh, I applaud her for that. That's pretty cool. How was pink? She seemed very nice. Pink is cool, man. Yeah. Just like one of the dudes. She was all about, Hey, I want my, my band to shine. I want them to come out there. I want them to be the center of attention. Very similar. And to as Alice soon as Cooper. the interview ended, she sent a cease and desist letter. Please leave. <laughs> no, man. Look, her, her band, again, just like Alice Cooper, they, I mean, it's a family out there on the road with those guys. And, uh, you know, they're bummed out when they're not playing. And, and her guitar player, Justin Derrico, the, the blonde curly haired guy that just rips on the guitar. Also, when he's not touring with Pink, He's the house guitar player on The Voice. That's, if I remember, Jeez. I think he told me he makes more money on The Voice because it's a you know, giant network television station. But, uh, man, he's got the life, i got to tell you. you I, I, I mean, you know, the doc is also just a great lesson to young musicians, like teenagers, too, that, that that's like, look, you, you might not be Bon Jovi or Springsteen, but if you work your ass off, you get great. They're yeah. going to find you. The talent, the top people will find you. You will work with them in some capacity, and that's that's a great payoff. It's not necessarily do or die. It is. It's just like being a a filmmaker or photographer. Like I started out as like, you know, learn your craft, dominate it and let the world see it. And eventually people's eyeballs will catch it or their ears in the the musician sense. And, uh, you'll get there. Fran, you know, it took a lot of years for me to get here. Yeah. What is something that was just a great piece of the film that that ended up on the cutting room floor that we didn't get to see as viewers because I'm sure there's some there's some nugget in there that just oh, didn't make it for time or, or story wise. Listen, we, yeah, we interviewed 65 musicians, man. There's so much I wanted to put in the film, but obviously you can't, you know, keep an audience awake for that many hours. But uh, a, a side story I really wanted to put was like a parallel story of four guys, and that would be Ray Parker Jr. Jay Graydon, Steve Lukather, and David Foster, those guys came up together as like 17-year-olds in the studio environment and all became giant either stars or producers in their own right. And that story was just way too big for for this movie that I I just couldn't tell it in in that time frame. It's his own movie, I think. Can you do that? I would watch that, that, and I think a lot lot of people... Watch that. The Ray Parker oh Jr. My story God, was great. That too. was awesome. Yeah, yeah, Ray Parker Jr. I'm going to tell you something about Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> like, where he came from is just, uh, you know, and he, he also often says this in our Q&As we do together. It's like, winning the lottery would have been a lot easier. Like, so you got to remember, he's 65, 66 years old, I guess, and he grew up in Detroit during the 67 riots. <clears throat> and his his main goal each day when he woke up was just getting from school to home without getting beaten. And one day, four cops caught him just because he was there, you know, I guess because he was black. And they beat him almost to death. 
you know, left him in the streets, punctured lungs, was in the hospital, the whole deal. And, uh, I think he was 12 or 13 yeah. and he's like, I'm going to, I got to find a way out of Detroit. So he learned how to play guitar. He goes, this is going to be my, my vehicle to get me out of Detroit. And by the time he was 14 years old, he answered an ad for the spinners. Uh, they were looking for a touring guitarist and he got the gig and against his parents' will, he just disappeared and went on the road with the spinners at 14. Wow came back all of a sudden everybody knows about this guitar phenom you know 14 and he's playing on marvin Gaye's records Smokey robinson the funk brothers all these guys and then stevie wonder discovered him at 17 and got him out of you know detroit for good and uh he went on to tour with the rolling stones and played on so many session records man you won't even believe it you know probably i think you told me the numbers like if you added all the album sales together it's 250 million records total that, that uh, he played on that have been sold. And then he wrote a bunch of songs for people that nobody even know about. And then, of course, Ghostbusters is the thing he's most recognized for. It's probably his smallest feat, you know, as, as far as, like, a song goes. And uh, just a super cool dude, man. The guy went to Australia with me and all over the country, you know, uh, promoting the film. Wow, super good, super guy and awesome story. To like, then that's the great thing about the film is that you you get these backstories on these on these talented artists, and you go through Ray Parker Jr.'s resume even, and it's like I just as oh. like a, a normal everyday American, I just know him from Bustin' makes me feel good, which <laughs> makes yep. me laugh. And, <laughs> exactly, you know. there's so much more to it, man. And that's and that's the same with all these guys, like Phil X. You know, Bon Jovi's guy, I had no idea he played with, you know, Triumph. Like, he was he was Rick Emmett in Triumph. He also played with Stuart Copeland from The Police and his little side thing. And all these cool little gigs I had no idea about. And I was floored interviewing him. You know, it was such a great, great interview. Fran, if you get so a, many chance, of these guys, if you get a you know. chance to talk to uh, yep. Ray again, tell uh, Ray that Steve lost his virginity to the Ghostbusters song. Yeah. At the point where he said, Bustin' makes me feel good. That's that's right where Steve exploded. I, I think a lot of people did, man. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I talk to him all the time. I'll tell him for sure. And it's funny It's funny yeah. because he, he did he see the billboard like on Sunset yeah. with just the... Just the circle. Just, just the, the circle. Red, the red yeah. And they, they said, we're going to give you 50 yeah. grand, whether we use the song or not, and all we want is for you to say Ghostbusters in the song. And I just, every time Halloween comes around, I love hearing that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to him, it was a nuisance. He didn't want to do it. You know, everybody's like, well, hell, 50 grand. I'm already here in my hotel room. I'll just write something, whatever. And the reason he got the idea for the the Ghostbusters chant was there was a commercial for like a bug extermination company on television. It was like 1 800 call whoever, get rid of rodent. But he was like, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters, you know, <laughs> that was it. It was like one line. And the, and the George Crazy, Benson man. story was amazing too. I mean, just how they kind of oh came up God. with the lyrics to turn your love around, and the yeah. one guy was taking a shit naked. I oh, mean, yeah. just like, yeah. like I'll be right back. I'll be yeah. right yeah. back. Yeah. Dumb. That's so <laughs> awesome. And then the other guy's like, yeah, you, I think he was taking a shit. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, yeah. No, so that's Jay Graydon, the guy that was shitting writing the song. Uh, he and I become dear friends, man. He's one of the funniest human beings alive. Like, if you get to spend time with him he's out of his mind and it's it's awesome like just just a crazy dude that's fun to be around and has the best stories and uh yeah i was so glad he shared that one with me because you know a lot, a lot of people are thinking that might be a little too rank to put in. i was like no man this is hysterical it's staying period you know here's something cool a little piece of trivia for the film like <clears throat> when people watch it if they pay attention to the guitar solo that jay graden does in the song peg 
Um, in these type of movies, you have to, yeah, you have to license all this music and get clearances. And there's two sides of a song. There's the, the publishing side and the master that the, rec- uh, the record company owns. Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, bless his heart, one who was still alive, approved us to use the song. The record company, I think it was Warner Brothers, was like, you can't, you can't use the song. So the workaround was to re-record it. So I called Ray, or I'm sorry, I called Jay Gray, and I'm like, hey, man, we have a little issue here. I want to keep this scene because it's so good and such an iconic solo, but the record label won't let us use the song. Are you open to doing a re-record? I mean, because of course I do. Do you have any money? I was like, yeah, we had a little bit. So he ironed out the finances. Two days later, he delivers what's in the movie now. So that's that's not the original wow. Oh wow. Healy Dan version. That's a oh, and you can't tell the difference. And what's even crazier, he did it so spot on because we use the real song as our temp for the for the cut, and there's just a temporary fill. Yeah. So we we mixed the movie at Skywalker Ranch right down the road, and we had to bring it back in to to reinsert the new song. And when the mixer editor guy was putting it in there he didn't have to scooch it not even one frame i mean it was wow identical to, yeah it was it was crazy i've never seen anything like it in my life neither is he he was like this is insane so yeah so anybody that watches the movie when you hear that that's that's not steely dan that's all all jay and some of his bodies jamming Brent, they knocked to, it out quick i have to tell you one of my still going back to the guy taking a shit was one of my favorite memories was where they're talking about how they came up with the idea for turn your love around then they cut to George Benson, who's wearing a beautiful suit <laughs> on stage yeah. with a, a beautiful audience that obviously oh, yeah. went to dinner beforehand, going to church the next day. And George Benson is oh, singing know, a song right? that was orchestrated by a guy taking a shit. Yeah, lyrics written on toilet paper. And, <laughs> and there's oh, George God, Benson yeah. in a nice suit. It, it's so crazy. Your love. Yeah. That's, that, that's just, and that's just one of his stories. I mean, he's gotten way more like porn stars coming into the mixing room while they're doing stuff. And what was the story? I think it was, uh, they're just in a session you know, it was like Jay Graydon and, uh, Ray Parker getting ready to do a, a session for like Aretha Franklin or something. All of a sudden the door opens up and there's this redhead butt naked. And this dude walks in and starts banging her on the floor. And the, you know, the producer's <laughs> like, just play something. So they're just playing this porn groove, and the camera starts rolling for about two minutes. Business finishes. They walk out, and the guys are like, what just happened here? You know, and everybody's dying. Like, they, they filmed the actual porn scene right there, and they scored it. You know, you have these world-class guys just scoring it. So it's pretty funny, man. I, Wait, hey, Fred, we're, we're going to cut out the first 28 minutes of this interview, and let's start and open with that story. Uh, why did we yeah, open right? with this? Holy shit. I this is the first Buskin time. Got- makes me feel good. <laughs> this is the yeah, first time I've gotten a boner exactly on the podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and one other note, and I don't know how often you you see him or talk to him, but the one thing that drove me crazy, um, I, I love the idea of David Foster trying to look hip with those ripped jeans. <laughs> Did you notice that he had like a little hole in oh, his I knee? Know. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, yeah. okay, come on, David. You're you know you're in your sixties. You look great, but you know you you, you can't shop at the Gap anymore. <laughs> just on a little <laughs> side no note. Doubt. I mean, do you, but look, you you know, that too? I, I, I've heard a lot of horror, horror stories about the guy being like this crazy ego, I have too. freaked out maniac. And uh, went to this place in Malibu, man. He's got this palace out there. Couldn't have been nicer. That's I mean, great. accommodating, answered all the questions. And that's why it guts me that all that stuff is on the floor, man. Because this story too, man, starting at like 14, perfect pitch. His mother hit like a C note on the piano. 
he didn't even play piano. He's like, that's a C note. You know, he knew what that note was. Yeah. Uh, incredible story. Amazing guy. What a career, you know? That's good to hear. Unreal. Um, well, we will be in San yeah. Francisco, actually, in August, and we will hit you up, and we'd love to uh, yes. get you a beer and hear more stories. But, Fran, we cannot thank you enough. Oh, dude. Uh, I've heard from a multiple people because you know we're all comics and comics are on the road. Stuff on the road and to comics watch. are always recommending docs over and over again. And and this doc has come up a multitude of times. Congratulations on an amazing oh. film, and thank you so much for spending time with us here in the dojo today, Fran. Hey, thanks for having me, man. This has been a blast. You're not going to believe this. I just looked over my shoulder. Some girl's getting banged behind me. Yeah, there's a redhead that just came out. Yeah! yeah. Wonder if it's the same one. It's a, Fran, it is a lady boy, though. This is comedy. This is not rock and roll. Uh, we okay. think she's a lady. Yeah. <laughs> We're not sure. Congratulations, Fran, Fran. So happy for your movie, Hired thanks, Gun. Man. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out on Netflix. Thank you so much for joining us. We will definitely see you in San Francisco. We hope you're in town when we're there because we would love to return the hospitality. Thank you so much. I'll be there, man. See you guys. All right, take care, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, What a great Uh, movie that was. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, even when you're talking, you you know, there's so many things you even forget. And I just, the George Benton thing, I I did laugh out loud (laughs) when I was watching it. I was like, because, you know, it's like. Yeah, the the dichotomy (laughs) of cutting from the toilet to he's in slick. He's taking a shit down. Turn your love around. <laughs> this time the girl became a woman. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, I got to a great movie. So glad I had a chance to watch it. Uh, wow. There's, there there it is. Fran Strine, everybody. Go check that uh, documentary out stories about Ozzy. I mean, Quiet Riot. All, all, just so many different types of bands. Yeah, the guys like Quiet Riot. Oh, Who's yeah. going to listen to this band? And they were at number one. They rocked it. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Well, listen, it's great to have Patrick back in the dojo. It's been a long, long time. Uh, you guys just got back from Portland. And you and I are heading off on the road, and then you got your movie coming out with the amazing Jonathan. That's happening very, very soon. Yeah. Uh, so a lot going on. It's a, a good uh, time right now. Rate, review, subscribe. Obviously, pass it along to your friends. If you like the dojo, we are still working hard on it. We're still sending shirts out. I just got in still. a new batch, so we're sending out shirts as we speak. Oh, I nice. just got in new shirts. You'll send and, one uh, to Fran, maybe? Fran's coming. Yeah. By the way, uh, all of our Any guests, guests now, should should get these. We're, yeah. we're sending them out. Jason uh, a lot getting of a lot of ha- a lot of awesome things happen at All Things Comedy. Yeah. We're glad to be a part of it. So um, we're going to be doing a lot more in terms of uh, the content we provide along with the dojo. So those of you that have been loyal listeners, we thank you so much. Help us spread the word. Um, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Where can they keep in touch with you, Keen? Uh, at Citizen Keen on Twitter and uh, Keen of Comedy on Insta. Canon. Uh, at Canon Comedy, and don't forget, by the way, we're still doing the T-shirt thing. So don't try to sell that short burn. I know that you said we're out of T-shirts, but we are not out of T-shirts. Trust me. So some of them have been returned. <laughs> rate, review, subscribe, and then hit up Gary on uh, DM Twitter. me on Twitter. Absolutely, DM on Twitter, yeah. and he will get it out to you. Uh, am I? We're we're at Wise Guys together, Correct. Salt Lake City this weekend. Yeah. Then I go to premiere the Jonathan Doc in Vancouver. Always amazing. Which is incredible. I've seen it twice. It's, it's so good. Thanks, it's bud. So good. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank yeah. you guys for your support and being patient with me. And then Gotham Comedy Club in New York City, mid-March, uh, San Francisco, McCurdy's, Sarasota, Punchline, Sacramento. Jesus. All the dates, they just keep coming up and up. So uh, keep in touch. Thank you guys for listening. Definitely check out Hired Gun on Netflix. So good.